listening to the Pasco Podcast with Dan Biles. Hello, I'm Dan Biles, and welcome to our fifth episode of Pasco Podcast, a series where we discuss leadership and public service. And we'd like to start by thanking our sponsors, the 550,000 plus residents of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. We created this podcast to help public servants and le- build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of others of their peers. Join us today for our fifth episode. We have Assistant County Administrator for Development Services, Sally Sherman, and Economic Growth Manager, David Engel. So I'll start off, simple question. Let's just start, tell us a little bit about your leadership philosophy and how you lead others. Okay. When I think about my leadership philosophy, I always go to a good leader knows when you need to lead, when you need to follow, and when you simply need to step aside and get out of the way. And with that, as the basic premise, I also like to lead by example. Um, I think your team members appreciate that they know that you're going to be there for them and what you demonstrate in your skill sets they can mimic that if they have the confidence and the faith in your style. Also, I like to stay involved, um, delegate things, but stay involved because to me that conveys to the team that, you know, she cares about this project. She wants to support me when I need her support. So those are some of the basic premises that I work around when I think about my leadership style. Okay. All right. David? Well, I, uh, there's four overarching principles that really drive me as a leader. One is uh, absolute focus on the customer and the client. The customer is the public and my team is the client. Uh, respect for the individual, uh, good citizenship, and a, and a high level of integrity where no one person is bigger than our, our service and our organization. And that's really what drives me and what runs my show. Okay. All right. Now, this is going to kind of go back a little bit in your history. So when did you realize that you wanted to lead others and that you enjoyed being in that position? Go ahead, Dave. I'll let you. Well, back in college, um, I worked at the Legal Aid Society, which was more of an assistance program in Washington, D.C. And then after graduating from college, I became a VISTA volunteer. And I, re- I realized that uh, empowerment was more important than anything. And I worked on an empowerment level. And that really, that collaboration and helping and assisting that people and providing that service really uh, compelled me to be a leader and to drive me into a career in planning. Okay. All right. Boy. (laughs) I didn't realize I was a leader. I didn't define myself being a leader. What I saw myself doing was helping people. Right helping people to achieve their goals, working with team members at whatever level in the organization to be successful, helping to connect them with the tools and the resources they needed, and also inspiring them to go to the next level. So it wasn't that I recognized myself as a leader. I simply saw myself as a person helping. Right. So in those principles you kind of talked about all wrap up into what is commonly called servant leadership right exactly exactly and that and that's what 
um, individuals helped me realize that, Sally, you are the true definition of a servant leader. Because, again, I didn't put that title on myself. I didn't see myself as a leader. I saw myself as someone wanting to help make not only what we were doing and the services that we were providing to the citizens better, but connecting citizens with teams and working with people to get to a win-win whenever possible. Right, all right. Yeah, and the servant leader is one that really serves more than leads Mm -hmm. as part of that and and builds the team from below so that the team can really be the ones that shine. So, yeah, that's a great, great point. So in terms of leadership, who's kind of been the biggest influence in your life? And kind of tell us a little bit about that. Influence in my life that really helped me um, go to the next level, believe it or not, was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I have 12 siblings, and I'm kind of like in the middle. So when you're in that part of your family, and, and when you think about your work family, I, I, I don't, I go, I have a work family and I have a home family right. because we spend just as much time with each other as we spend with our, our family. Um, but I, it, being a middle child, I kind of like was so used to just stepping in the back and being silent. And in the sixth grade, there was Mrs. Chamberlain. And I was in chorus. And again, I was in the back. Mm-hmm. And um, she one day she started saying, I want to hear the altos. I want to hear the tenors. I want to hear the sopranos. And then she started breaking it down where she started reducing the number of people that were participating. And she goes, there's that sound I hear that I want. And she said, Sally, step to the front of the room. And I want you to sing this. And so then she ended up having me sing a solo that went on for a while. And at the end, I went back to the room, got to the back of the group again. And when I was walking out the door, she stopped me and she said, Sally, I want you to realize that not only do you have a voice to sing, you have a voice to be heard. Use it. People will listen. That changed me. And I think that's when I realized that I'm a servant leader. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help, and I want to make a difference. Yeah, so a voice not just to sing but to serve. Yes. Yeah, that's great. A great story. How about you, David? Well, rather than one person, it's a group of people. Um, what's what's really been my leading um, weather vane and mentor <clears throat> is um, the America's greatest generation. Uh, folks that grew up during the Great Depression fought a great world war and then built the backbone of our economy and the way we function today. And there's a lot of people in there. They, I'll give you an example. David Kamansky, who I worked for, he was the president mm-hmm. and CEO of Merrill Lynch. He, uh, he, he was uh, a son of a migrants, of Russian migrants, and came to the country. And basically, he became one of the most influential investment bankers in the 90s. And he spoke to people. He didn't speak at people. And he was the humblest guy I've ever met. So that, that tradition and that generation has inspired me. Yeah, they kind of set the standard, if you will. They went, they went and fought, you know, either in the Pacific or in Europe. Uh, you know, I remember sitting down talking to my grandfather 
uh, you know, who was a mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, talking about you know his time leading up to and during during the war. Uh, although they didn't like to tell a lot of stories, mm-hmm. which is kind of get the same thing out of the Vietnam vets too. You know, you don't get a lot of stories out of them. Uh, they, was, but that that courageousness right. transcended from you know role to role, and that courage is what built the United States and the commitment to right. this, to the country. Right, and you know. Aristotle says courage is the underlying virtue anyway. Nothing mm-hmm. you our core values don't work without courage, right? Integrity doesn't work without courage. Respect doesn't work without courage. And you know, courage is, you know, just in its simplest form is, you know, continuing on in spite of fear. It's mm-hmm. not no fear, it's continuing on in spite of fear. So that's a great story. Yeah. My grandfather and then when I got married, my father my grandfather in law, I guess, also was a naval in the Navy and just listening to the stories and what they did during the war was really great and inspiring. So, and I know um, my husband's uncle was a World War II vet, right? Um, who lived to the ripe old age of ninety nine, and you know was very sharp even at the end. And we would just marvel and regale at the stories that he shared with us during his service, and um, it gave us a sense of pride knowing what like you said integrity doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do and that was you know the way that he even as a part of his service mm-hmm. in the military during right. World War II that's what he right yeah it's I watched a lot of war films of World War Two and because that's kind of that's kind of a history buff mm-hmm. growing up and you know I'm not sure anybody anything captures it better than Saving Private Ryan. Oh and yet, yeah. Oh yeah. I can't watch that movie. You know, I've watched it once and it's just just tears at you as they go through that. But the the courage and the leadership shown by the captain, you know, Tom Hanks that, that Tom Hanks plays throughout mm-hmm. that, you know, really gives you kind of a sense of pride, but also gives you a route in a map of how to lead in spite of what's going on mm-hmm. around you, which while we're not fighting a war, we have a lot going on around us today, whether it's a pandemic or just normal, you know, the crush of work or whatever it is, we mm-hmm. still have to fight through that to, to do what we do. So, um, and so I think that goes back to your comment about integrity right. and confidence and, and continuing to do the right thing and having the courage to do the right thing. And I think the employees love to hear that from you because they know that if they're doing the right thing, they're going to have your support and the support right. of the board. So that's extremely important. Right. And I think that's, you know, we just got back the employee engagement stuff mm-hmm. and we and also um, some of the citizen survey data. And, you know, it's interesting to see that the core values come out in the word clouds that you get around mm-hmm. those things, integrity, respect, service excellence, innovation, all comes and it's all built on that. And, you know, we obviously been through some challenging times in the last nine months, but it's been interesting to watch the team come through that and how consistently on the mark they want to be and, and hold on, hold true to the standards, even in you know, a lot of your areas, regulatory, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not always telling people, you know, things they want to hear. Um, and so that is a challenge to a certain extent to, mm-hmm. to be able to do that and maintain that through through that period. So so how how do you continue to build your leadership skills and your over time? Like, you know, how do you work on it today? And then how do you develop others? I look at I, I take an opportunity to 
learn some of the latest things that are occurring when you're talking about people and the skills that you need to work with people because we're in a changing dynamic and we need to be able to um, collaborate with every person on the economic scale. Every individual, no matter what um, educational background they have, um, we need to learn how to continually work with everyone. And one of the things I've always prided myself on is that, especially in local government, you can be working in the morning with someone who is struggling to put food on the table or pay their electric bill. And by noon, you're working with the president or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So you have to have that diversity. So that's continuing to learn how to work in that arena. Continuing to understand technology, which is a rapid um, industry, you're forever getting new information and how that information can be helpful in the workplace, that new technology, and also process improvement, ways that you can look at things differently and not just focused on what you've done in the past or what you've learned, but continuing to look for other ways and innovative ways to do things. Right. Okay. David, what Well, uh, first it's listen, learn, and engage. Um, just as, as an aside, uh, I was retired for some years and I came back to work and I realized that I'm a millennial, even though I'm not of the millennial generation <laughs> because you have to be able to communicate <laughs> with people. And I remember walking in my first day of work after 14 years of retirement and I didn't know what they were talking about. I said, well, I felt like I was a Mars. So I realized then I'd have to really be uh, a listener and focus on what drives people. And, and um, I'm a member of the American Institute of Certified Planners, so I'm required. I take management and leadership suites every year. Um, I'm a voracious reader. I'm reading a book now on uh, leadership that was written by somebody in the Jobs and Economic Opportunity Committee, uh, Jay Michelin. So um, I basically feel that leading is uh, being an engaging individual and to be honest with your, with your, with your team. Uh, mm-hmm. Honesty is the best policy. Right. All right. Oh, David, I agree 100%. I think you're right on the mark because um, one of the things that I think about, too, is listening but also being present. And with so many distractions – Sometimes, even though we want to feel like we're totally engaged, sometimes we're just not present. And that's something that you have to know and recognize Mm -hmm. so that people know that you're really listening, you're engaging, and being present, that's a key also to learning. So thank you for that. I, I have the luxury of having a small team so I can engage them more personally than Sally can. Sally has, she's doing five things at one time and she's getting <laughs> hit by another mother 20 things that she has to do. So it's a luxury for me, and, but I really appreciate the time you spend with all of us. Yeah, and so, and, and so you, you mentioned millennials. And so now we kind of have really four different generations in the workforce, yes. right? The, we have the boomers that are in, entering retirement, but they're still, they're still with us. We have the Gen Xs you know, which, which I'm a part of. Then we have the millennials and then we have the Zs are entering. entering Don't the forget, we still have traditionals in our organization. Yeah. So, so we, we have, so in, 
you know, you, you, you talk to the boomers, they didn't know what a remote was until they were an adult, right? They were the remote. I was a remote growing up. Um, and now everything, you know, you have more power on your phone than they, than they use and to land a, yeah, yeah. Exactly. land a man on the moon. Yeah, to land a man on the moon. And mm-hmm. so how do you bridge that? Because you have those in your organization, right? You have that, you span the entire goal. How do you bridge those different, I guess, uh, the diversity of experiences to form a cohesive team? Well, again, I think you have to let every person know that they are valued and what they bring to the table is important. And I think having, you know, all five of those generations on your team can end up creating a better product because you have the diversity from their experiences. Because I'm a baby boomer, so I was the one that when they first had the cell phones that it was a huge box in the center of your car, you know, or you had the long antenna on the back of your car. And just to, you know, work with individuals from the different areas um, and appreciating, again, what they bring to the table. Um, I I know um, one of the things that I felt was critical in a leadership role was to be able to understand, um, you know, our generations under me, more so I was working with millennials at that point. And I recognized that at one point I wasn't getting it. So again, I made an ex- a, a concerted effort that in order for me to be successful and to get someone on the team and appreciate what they have, I really need to engage and have some conversations. And I ended up... Um, helping take lead on a development opportunity for an organization and brought in some millennials to talk to us. And I walked away with a whole new sense of understanding how I can work better with millennials. In a nutshell, this young lady who I invited, she's in Tallahassee and a superstar. She said, one thing that you must understand as a millennial if we showed up to the ball game and was on the team, we got an award. So you've got to reward me on a continuous basis. When we get on a new job, you've got to tell me on a continuous basis that I'm doing a good job. And oh, by the way, you need to be planning for my next promotion or to a way to increase my ability to get ahead. And she laid it out so perfectly that it gave me, again, a sense of understanding and appreciation of where they were coming from. And now I feel that I'm much better suited to recognize, help them, and help me with how we can work together to create a wonderful product or service for our organization. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think... To a large extent, some of the things that the millennials have brought to light because they were not afraid to share their opinion Correct. are things that Gen Z and baby boomers wanted. We just didn't didn't ask didn't ask. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody loves recognition. Every mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. and when you talk about the Gallup engagement survey, one of them is has has somebody talked to you in the last seven days about your job or or, or how you're doing, and mm-hmm. you know, and so it's we forget how easy it is to give positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet that is something that that not only millennials want, but every generation 
really wants as part of their work. It's mm -hmm. just on, kind of incumbent on us as leaders to be able to reward and give that recognition Correct. when it's due. And frankly, a lot of our people do great jobs every day. And so you can do it. On day, a regular basis. On a regular yes. basis. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. And I loved your discussion about family, you know, work family versus, you know, home family. And really, when we talk leadership and our, you know, our team members, they're the whole person. Right? Correct. They, they don't leave the home problems at home when they come to work and they don't leave the work problems at work when they go home. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of incumbent on us to make sure we work that. And I, I love in some of our meetings, sometimes you stop and say, okay, we need to have some family time here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we and yeah. then we have some discussions. Family so. time and family talk. Because, again, yeah. we spend so much of our waking hours with our work family. Right. So we need to be able to connect and we need to be able to support each other. Right. And um, I know one person say, um, I applied for time off or I have an, an emergency with the family. I go, Family first. That's work family, too. Right. So so reinforcing that with team members who are not accustomed to that, that's what I, I feel is very important because we are. We spend a lot of time together. And we need to recognize that. And one of the things that also is important is that even with family, you can imagine with 12 siblings, it was not always happy times. <laughs> no, we had our challenges. There were six boys and six girls. Well, so well. In, in a three-bedroom home with one bathroom for a long time. So we had our challenges. But at the end of the day, and this is what I want the team to understand and understand that it's important. At the end of the day, we support each other. We're going to be there for each other. And, and and if we do that, it doesn't mean it's always going to be a yes. But we'll make it. Right. We'll survive and we'll succeed. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the family, it's okay to argue amongst yourselves, but don't come at the family. Exactly. Right? Oh, the family please, 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 <laughs> don't you dare. You know, my brothers would say, uh, do you realize that's my sister you're talking to? And I think I know that I do it, too. And I, I know I have to be careful because I go, that's my team member. And I, I was telling someone the other day, if someone's saying something bad about your team member and you're standing there and you're listening, you're accepting that. But if you say, listen, if it's not something that's going to help us, then maybe it's not something we should be sharing. Right. Yeah. Uh Love that perspective. And family time is putting down the phone. Right. Well, well that's yes. a good thing. Yeah. There's that too. Yeah. In today's environment, you have to be putting oh, down the phone. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I think I've been called out for that more than once in, in a <laughs> meeting. Um, but, you know, it happens, right? And we live and learn. Um, so, is your working with your teams, how do you identify and raise up leaders? Because that's something else we constantly have to do as leaders, right? Is identify and build and raise up leaders. Well, leading doesn't have to be one way. There's a right. lot of ways. So the best thing to do is to identify people's strengths, see where their comfort zone is, and then mentor and empower those right. skills to develop. So on my team, um, we have a business analyst who's finishing up on their MBA. We, we asked him to go back to school because he showed a level of leadership and 
and ingenuity, and he's finishing up. And another person who's a great people person and an outreach individual is learning technical skills that weren't associated with their position. So that succession and empowerment mm -hmm. is how you lead people. Right. Okay. And, and I think that, again, you have to be careful that you don't put people in boxes when you talk about leadership. Um, you have to help nurture them along. And you look at those basic skill sets that that are needed. Um, I would say that some people, you know, put a lot of uh, value on leaders that have a high educational um, level. But I've seen some of even your best leaders are people who have finished high school or maybe technical schools, and, and they have those innate skills, what I call those intangibles, mm -hmm. that are dealing with communication, being able to work with people on a different level, and being able to think strategically. And those are some of the things that when I see um, people have, I know one of the first things that I talk about when I'm asked to mentor someone is that think about what makes you happy and what is your goal. Because some people could lead by not having a leadership title right. and be just as happy. Mm -hmm. But looking at those intangibles and working with them towards those goals, those are the things that are important to the team. Right. And again, being honest and transparent. Yeah, and, and I think those are all really good points. And mm -hmm. you know, we have 28 or so hundred people work for Pasco County, mm -hmm. and all range of personalities and skill sets. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I, we all look at different different things and how people do things differently and they all have the ability to lead and it's just a matter of pulling that out and giving them the ability and training to do that so uh, great and i have to say pasco county has so many wonderful opportunities for anybody who right. want to succeed all they have to do is ask right yeah i mean we just uh, going through the ldp selection right now for mm -hmm. the next two classes in the next year and then you know the debt DAP program and some of the other programs we have out there to do that. So um, as you kind of look back, are there specific instances where you learned a, a valuable lesson about leadership that maybe you want to share either a success or, I mean, and actually sometimes we learn more by sometimes some things didn't go right. Right. Um, there's something you, you know, kind of want to share and as an example so that, well, I think one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned is from a negative experience. Um, as coming up in an organization, um, as you know, Dan, I started in local government at the very bottom as a clerk typist one. Right. And that was the helper to the helper to the helper of the secretary. <laughs> So that, mean, that meant I got to do a lot of things that no one else wanted to do, but it also gave me an opportunity to learn, and that's a key thing. Always look at it as an opportunity to learn. Um, so as I worked my way up in the organization, um, I had this uh, supervisor that was challenging. Everybody knew that this person was challenging. And, um, in fact, on an annual basis, they would – 
do this these little secret surprises for me or, or leave those secret gifts on my desk because go, you last another year under this person. Um, but what would happen that really taught me lessons about leading and working with people is that there would be meetings that we would be sitting in and um, there would be a citizen that would need some help and they would walk in the meeting, pass a piece of paper to me and say, Sally, we have a person that need help on X. And if it's at a point where I'm not contributing at that moment, I feel it's important to get out and help the citizen. So I proceeded to one day get up and leave the meeting to go help the citizen with the issue because it was only going to take a few minutes. This supervisor in the middle of a meeting with internal and external people go, I didn't tell you to leave the room. Hmm. Now, it's all in how you react. My position was I sat back down. When they came back to the door for me, I put up the finger set. I won't be able to come out at this time. I stayed in the meeting. I stayed engaged. And then after it was over, the external people went to management to say how inappropriate it was. But what that lesson taught me is this is not how you treat your team members. Right. This is not how you treat your family. Mm -hmm. And I would never, ever want someone to feel the way that I felt when that happened. Right. And to me, those are important leadership skills. And oh, by the way, fast forward four years, guess who's her boss? <laughs> this person avoided me for the first four weeks after I became the assistant county administrator. But when I saw her and finally got a chance that she couldn't run away from me, I went up to her and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. I said, thank you so much for what you contributed into my life to help me get to where I want to be. Right. Now, granted, I didn't tell her you taught me how not to do things, but it was an important <laughs> right. lesson. Right. So I wanted to recognize that. Right. So sometimes it's not out of the great things right. that help build you. It's out of some of those difficult situations right. that help you be the person that you are. Yeah, no, I agree. I think sometimes we forget we can learn more from bad examples than, than good examples sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, even though they tend to be painful when you're going through them. Exactly. Right? So. I was just thinking when Sally was talking a little bit, and I think that um, – my most difficult time was the transition into leadership. Um, I was an internal promotion in my first planning role. And all the people I worked with were my f colleagues and friends. And all of a sudden, I, um, they're reporting to me. Right. So I had to learn about balance, about maintaining a level of empathy and concern and caring, but also to provide them with a level of leadership so they could learn and perform and work as a unit. And I, and I, and I think that balance is so critical to leadership. Servants leadership is good. Empathy is required. Um, empowerment is a must. Engagement is our direction. But also to lead by example. And people can, you know, 
I find the team always looks at the leader. They're always measuring some way mm-hmm. about our how we perform, and they take cues off of that. So that ex- leading by example, I think, is critical for me. And I it took a while to learn that. Right. No, I yeah, I agree. I, you know, leaders are on 365. You're never off. Correct. You know, I. You know, great. You know, I go into Publix to go shopping, and you know, I don't can't count the number of times I've either run into a firefighter or somebody else that works for the county and they know me. I, I don't, I mean, it's 2,800 on them. I don't know every one of them. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm there berating the clerk over something silly and they see that, you know, what does that tell them about, mm-hmm. you know, the way I act, right. Or the way I lead people. And so, yeah, I'll, it's a 24, seven, 365. It's not it, what you do. That's important when people see you. it's what you do when no one's watching. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause somebody is watching. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Got that early on as a, as a young officer, mm-hmm. those kind of beat into your head about mm-hmm. everybody's always watching everything you do. So that's a great example. So, uh, any last minute tools of wisdom, pearls of wisdom you want to share about leadership, uh, before we kind of go into the lightning round? Um, well, I'm an honored person because I'm allowed to work with all different branches in our organization and the pool of talented, committed, dedicated people is beyond my comprehension at times. And I think um, sometimes I try to be a shepherd of projects or economic projects and leadership doesn't have to be a direct report situation. Leadership is showing a way and engaging and bringing the best out of people. And I, I try to do that every day. And it's been a pleasure working with this organization. No, oh, Well, thanks, David. Appreciate it. Yeah, referential authority is much more powerful than positional authority. Mm-hmm. So, Coming from a leader servant, being there to serve, and I think that's because of being in government and recognizing that it's important to the people that we serve, that we're doing what we can to make things better for them, to make our county great. Understanding your limitations, recognizing that the only thing that you truly control is yourself. And knowing how to navigate around those things that you don't have any control over. And at the end of the day, no matter what, when you're working with your team members, your family team members, or you're working with a citizen, say thank you. Say thank you. Yeah, the Chick-fil-A lesson. Yeah, it's not just great chicken. It's great service, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, love it. Appreciate that. All right, so i got a list of questions here. Uh, more, It's really just to kind of give those watching and listening a chance to get to know you better. Uh, and so quick you don't have to think a whole lot about these so uh texting or talking Which talking speaking. talking yes. talking totally talking yeah well i, I could have guessed that just that's a generational, <laughs> <question>. generational <laughs> way. uh dawn or dusk i like dawn dawn boy i thrive in both environments but if i had a choice dawn okay so what place would you most want to travel to? I have had the opportunity to travel even to other countries. 
and I've traveled around the United States, but there are so many awesome places in Florida that I want to still explore. And Visit Florida is going to clip that out. I know. <laughs> there are so many awesome places yeah. in Florida that we have that with our weather, we can be out and about. Right. David? Well, I, I'm an urban and transportation planner. My passion is people, places, and architecture. And mm -hmm. I love cities. Um, I, any city in the United States is fair game for me, and I'd love to visit and be able to walk and people watch and look at the sites. Okay. What's your favorite season? Summer. Summer. I'm a native Floridian. <laughs> I love the warm weather. It could never be too hot for me. I'm a spring guy because I grew up in the Northeast. Yeah, so the spring is a rebirth. It right? is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh, cake or pie? Depends on the pie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Depends on the cake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cake. I like layer cake. I like chocolate. Okay. All right. So the, this is a, the local government question. The office or Parks and Rec? Oh, okay. That's something. Mm. I, well, my daughter likes The Office, but I'll go with Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec. Rec. Yep. Boy, Parks and Rec just had it so spot on with a number <laughs> of things. It's just like, oh, my God, now they really see it. So I, 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 I'll go with Parks and Rec. Yeah. Because it brought humor, too. Right. More humor. Yes, they did. A lot of the situations we've encountered they brought humor to those situations. Exactly. And we can relate as working in local government. Yeah, it's, I appreciate that. I, was, I mean, it's the office is classic, too. Of course, I grew up on, you know, we grew up on different sitcoms in mm -hmm. a, a time where you couldn't stream sitcoms. Where Correct. If, if you missed it at Thursday at 7 o'clock, it was gone, right? You know, until you figured out when it was going to be rerun in the summer. So. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, thank you, uh, Sally uh, and David, for being here. It was great to have you both. I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, and special thanks to our media relations team who makes this all possible. They do an outstanding job day in and day out. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Dan Biles, and until the next one.